So that was not my plan. My plan was to continue on with the series on Colossians, but I just couldn't get away. The Lord just wouldn't let me get away from Thanksgiving. If, if you've declared Thanksgiving over since you eat tur- ate turkey on Thursday and you put all that behind you and tore down the decorations and all that, I'm sorry. <laughs> As far as church goes, I don't think God is through with Thanksgiving for us, at least if I'm, if I'm hearing correctly. So um, I didn't really plan to have a Thanksgiving message this year. Um, but as I said, I, I think we're supposed to have a Thanksgiving message. So um, this will be a little bit different um, in that I just want to encourage you with a few scriptures this morning. Some of these are familiar. Some we touched on last year and the year before. Some we haven't. They're different. Um, but I, I felt like, well, if the Lord is wanting us to emphasize Thanksgiving, then even beyond what few scriptures we share this morning, and I'm going to try to keep this short because there's a reason. I want you to have an opportunity to practice your Thanksgiving um, before the service is over. But in light of that, if Thanksgiving is important today and it's a priority, I wanted to give you what I gave you last year, in case you lost yours or in case you just want to see it again, uh, or you want a new fresh sheet But anyway, this is a reference sheet for Thanksgiving, which is the second handout you got. So if you want to keep that, and if you're like me, you'd like Thanksgiving to last a little longer, then post this one on the fridge uh, or by your nightstand, coffee table, whatever, front door, back door, dashboard, wherever you want to put it, um, or in your Bible. Um, But there's some really good reminders in here about Thanksgiving and what it's all about. So anyway, that's yours to keep. And... um, we're going to look at a few scriptures in, in Psalms, and um, you can follow along with me if you want to. And we're going to start with Psalm 92. And let me remind you as you're looking for that, that on that reference sheet there were the definitions that we learned. And I believe we maybe looked at these the first time two years ago when we did a couple of messages on Thanksgiving. But anyway, um, Thanksgiving means probably a little more than maybe we have had assumed But it also has a lot to do with what you say and what you sing. And that you sing by definition. So if you look at that Old Testament definition, the first one there, Hebrew, it meant adoration, confession. What do you confess with? Your mouth, right? Words coming out. A sacrifice of praise. Do you know you can give thanks even if you don't feel like it? (laughs) You can make a sacrifice. And we're going to talk about offerings and sacrifices in, in some of these scriptures this morning. But... A sacrifice of praise as, as of an offering. For example, like a choir of worshipers that prepared a sacrifice of their words and song to give thanks to God. So even back in the, in the Old Testament days, I believe they had a choir in the temple. Um, because some of these psalms that David wrote were for instruments and voices. So they had to have music in the temple. Um, so I just believe they had a choir of worshipers. And so that was the Old Testament definition of thanksgiving. You notice there was nothing in there about turkeys and corn pudding? Shocker, right? <laughs> I'm not against turkeys. In fact, I love turkeys. I hope they keep growing them and raising them because I love eating them. <laughs> Probably my favorite meat. Um, but that's not what Thanksgiving is about. There's not even any black buckled shoes and tall black pilgrim hats <laughs> or Indians and in feathers. <laughs> that's all been a newer version and image of thanksgiving that we have and thank god for it that our country has a foundation of giving thanks to god and acknowledging god even for the very existence of some of the first people who came here that they could not have survived without god's 
hand of protection and provision, and he used the Indians, he used the, the things that, that they helped teach the pilgrims to learn and to grow, and then helped it to grow through some really bad seasons the first couple of years. So thank God for that. But I think we do need to go further back to the biblical definitions and what, what the Word has to say about it, uh, that that was originally based on. So then you look at that second definition, the New Testament one there, the one in the Greek, and it mean, it's similar, but it means gratitude and grateful language. So it takes these, this confession element of thanksgiving to a whole nother level, and it's a whole new language of thanksgiving. A grateful language to God as an act of worship in giving of thanks. So it's a whole new language. It could, it could insinuate there a prayer language that you could use to give thanks to God, right? Because a lot of times privately in worship, we just kind of flow into oftentimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's a, it's a great experience if you have. You just flow into your prayer language and you're, you're usually worshiping God in that, thanking God. Sometimes he'll, he'll give you some words that's words back to you for you to interpret for words of instruction or, or uh, direction. But typically, it's, 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 in, it's in a uh, method or a format of worship, right? So you could look at it that way. So anyway, I want you to see this because this is the backdrop of what we're going to, to see in these verses, these definitions of thanksgiving. Now, all these verses we're going to read are the Old Testament, but we're New Testament believers, so you can add that second definition to it for, for how we give thanks today. So are you in, in Psalm 92 yet? If you're not, you're slow because I've given you plenty of time to get there. Okay. The first two verses. And the first part of this first verse says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Or you might be more familiar with it in the King James. It says, It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. You ever heard that song? That's a song. Um, It's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. So if it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, reckon we ought to do it more often? (laughs) I think we should. Because it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. And not just on November... uh, the fourth Thursday in November. It's a good, if it's a good thing, we ought to do it year-round. If it's a good thing, it ought to be something that we practice. It ought to be something that we make a priority. It ought to be something that is an attitude of the heart. And I think that was, that was the thrust of the message two years ago, if I'm remembering correctly, is an attitude of gratitude and having that attitude of thanksgiving, which is one of those foundational truths that you really ought to build your your Christian life on is thanksgiving. That's one of the layers in the foundation. If you're going to give, if you're going to build a good, solid walk with the Lord, and and you want to be really um, balanced, what, what do you call it? Balanced, stable Christian, faithful Christian, able to endure the the storms that come against you. Which reminds me, remember Jesus told a parable one time about about the different men that built different structures. The storm came against all of them, but which one stood? The one that was built on what? A rock. The one that had the more solid foundation. So if you want your Christian life to weather the storms that are going to come against you, say, well, I'm a man of faith. I'm not believing in any storms to come. Well, you better, you better learn a few things because one is storms are going to come. <laughs> you don't use your faith to deny the facts or deny the environment you live in. And I'm not just talking about weather here. You, you follow me? I'm talking about trials and, and, and temptations and um, threats of deception. That's probably the biggest one. They're going to come. There is a devil. He's out to get you. 
Now, the good news is he's been defanged. He has no teeth. So all he can do is roar loud and scare you and get you to, to, to be scared into submission and deception. But if you want to weather that, you better build a good foundation. And, and I just really believe what the Word says about thanksgiving and having an attitude of gratitude is one of those layers in your foundation you need to build. You need to have constantly, anytime you, you get to where you can just kind of sit down and, and meditate or sit down and ponder about God and what and what who He is and what He's done for you, it, it, it ought to it ought to kick into that attitude. That attitude of thanksgiving just starts rolling up inside of you. You say, "Well, that don't work for me that way. It doesn't. It's not happening that way." Well, you you might have to work on that. You might have to practice a bit. You might have to sow some of these scriptures. You know, get them off the fridge. I was just kidding about putting these on the fridge. Get them off the fridge and put them in your heart. Let them go, let them renew your mind. To, to remind you, because these things will remind you that all this stuff that happened in your life didn't just happen. God is behind it. He's the one who has protected you, sent His angels to watch over you, brought you through all the trials and storms and temptations. Yes, some of them you might have got scratched and scraped and, and, and broken up a bit, but you're learning. You're learning, but He brought you through, right? So that ought to... That ought to stir up a, an attitude of thanksgiving in you. And so it's one of those foundational truths. It's a, if it's a good thing, it ought to be part of your foundation. It ought to be a common practice. It ought to be something that when you think about the Lord, this starts rising up in you. Just a desire to give Him thanks. A desire, or not a desire, but a, a recollection of naming off some of these things He's done for you. It never gets old. It's, there's never enough. But it ought to be something that's that happens on a recurring basis to us. So it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. And this verse goes on to say, and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare. How do you declare something? You think about it? How do you declare? What does declare insinuate? Your mouth. You speak it. Speak it out. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. So it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to His name. To declare His loving kindness in the morning and faithfulness by night. You don't have to divide it up that way if you don't want to. But that's a good idea. Remember in the morning how good He was to you. You woke up, right? The earth's still spinning. You're still breathing. The sun came up. It's a good day, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And you can decide that. So you can decide that and, and declare His loving kindness. I'll never forget what Jeff said. And he shared this a month or so ago. That... That God said to him, and, and he may have shared it in a smaller setting, but he said, God, when he got up one morning, God said to him, Jeff, what kind of day are you going to have today? And he's like, well, I don't know. Why are you asking me? You know. <laughs> and it's like, no, what kind of day are you going to have today? And I think he had to repeat it a few times, and finally Jeff got it. It's up to him to declare, I'm going to have a good day. It's going to be a great day, Lord. So declare his loving kindness in the morning and his faithfulness by night. You made it through another day. And God was faithful. Everything, everything might not have worked out rosy, but you made it, right? And He was faithful. He never left you. He never forsook you through the day. All right, let's look at Psalm 100. Psalm 100 and verses 4 and 5. Now, I think this one applies to, to us in a, in a church worship service setting, but it also applies to you when you enter in your own personal time with Him. And this goes back to what I was saying. Thanksgiving ought to be a part. Most all the time. It says, enter His gates. Or we could say that another way, we could say, enter His presence. So whenever you want to get in the presence of God, 
Like I hope that's our desire when we come to church because there's a benefit to doing that. It's not just because we come in this room that we're in His presence. You, you, you get that? It's because we come in and we decide we want to be in His presence. He's here with us, but we want to be in His presence. And so it says enter into His gates or His, or his presence, you could say, with thanksgiving. So it, again, it should be one of the first things we do. It should be what comes up in our heart is that gratitude. You know, even if we came in the door back here with all kinds of troubles, you know, they were, they were trying to drag us down before we had to get in the door. And we got in the door back here and shot them out. Okay? I hope you did. Don't bring them in here. Um, because this ought to be a safe place in here. That even if, even, if it, even if the week was that bad, <laughs> and you feel like you came through the door crawling under the crack underneath, when you come in, decide that when we come in to worship, and this is a decision, I'm going to tell you this is something you have to do, it's up to you, but that I'm going to come in and I'm going to remember how good God is to me. I'm going to be thankful. He, he, is, he is loving and kind, loving kindness, and He's faithful to me. So even, even if all those troubles are still trying to pound at my mind and get me to think about them out there in the parking lot where I left them, I can come in here and decide that I'm going to enter His gates with thanksgiving. That I'm going to, I'm going to try to get into His presence and I'm going to start out with thanksgiving. It says, enter His presence or His gates with thanksgiving. And that word thanksgiving there in this, in this psalm, my, my Bible has a note to interpret that word, and it means like a thank offering. So even if you don't feel thankful or thanks, like a thanksgiving, you know that you can, you can make a sacrifice, like that Old Testament definition, a sacrifice of thanks, a sacrifice of praise. And so you can decide with a, just a decision, not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling anyway, right? You can decide... I'm going to come in and I'm going to... Now, again, this applies when you get with God at home on your own, in your own prayer closet, your own time, not just in here. But I'm talking about a church setting. But I'm going to enter in with thanksgiving into His presence. And when I enter into His presence, I'm in where He's holding court. If He's holding court, who's in charge? He should be. So we yield to Him. He's the King, right? You think of a medieval or even today in a, in a royalty situation... You don't come into, you don't burst into the throne room of some sitting, you know, sovereign of some country and burst in there and just say, what up, king? There's certain protocols. There's certain respect and honor. Even if that's not your king, you're from another country, you, you honor them for this is how they have it set up and you honor, respect their, their traditions and their, and their hierarchy of, of their government. And so you would find out before you went into the room, you would find out what are the protocols. You get somebody to, to brief you or educate you, and you wouldn't just burst in and be some Johnny-come-lately. You would, you would come in into the courts, and you would, you would honor the king, right? And you, you would show the proper protocol and respect, okay? Well, if you came in with, with an ungrateful, selfish, it's-all-about-me attitude, would that be pretty difficult to do. Or let me put it this way. If you came in more with a thankful attitude and a gratitude attitude when you came into that setting, wouldn't it be easier to show respect and to go ahead and submit to the protocols of the court? Absolutely. So there's reasons for this. If we come in and we enter his gates with thanksgiving and then we come in and properly come into the presence of God and, and, and honor his court. See, there's just as a little aside here for a moment. God doesn't necessarily care about our traditions, 
how we dress, and all of this, because Jesus taught us it's not what's the outward man, it's the inward man, right? But, but God does demand a certain respect. He demands a certain honor. And He demands that if there's any glory going on, it's going to Him. Those are things that don't change about Him, no matter how casual we get, or how well we know Him, or how close and intimate we feel with Him. Those things never change. God is God, and He expects those things. So I'm not saying that in a disciplinary way. I'm saying that in that we ought to, we ought to keep it top of mind that we make, even if it's just a decision and a deliberate decision to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise and honor him. And you know what? The reason he's wanting you to do that is because he wants to bless you. That's really the ultimate reason. Now, he knows he's God and he wants to be recognized as God, but he also wants to get you in a heart position where you'll hear him and you'll hear his instruction, you'll feel his love. And see, if you don't come in in the right protocols, you'll miss out on all that. You're all looking at me like, that's, that's sinking. Okay, I believe it is. Okay, so you might want to marinate on that for a while. <laughs> yeah, either that or your eyes are bulging out from turkey. Okay, all right. Either way, so we go on to verse 5, and I don't want to miss this point. 4. When 4 is there, you look to see what it's for. Or you could say, as you could interpret the word for as because. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, giving thanks to him and blessing his name. Verse 5, for or because the Lord is good. See, if you really think about, like what I was saying earlier, if you really think about your situation or your situations or the fact that you're still here with us, then you'll remember that it's because God is good. It's because the things that he's brought you through and he's done for you, right? That you're still here. And so God is good. For God is good is the reason we need to give him thanks. We need to honor him, respect him, bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. This is why he's good or how he demonstrates his goodness. He has loving kindness and it's everlasting. It never runs out. And his faithfulness to all generations. He doesn't quit being faithful. God didn't wake up some morning and say, well, I'm tired. I'm tired of all this. this. This earth's been spinning. I've been making all this happen with my words for all these years. Let's just take a week off, Jesus. Does God ever do that? <laughs> Is He ever going to do that? If He did, we're in big trouble. <laughs> we're in big trouble. You, you would cease to be. You'd quit breathing and lots of other things. But He's faithful to all generations. And so because of that, we, we can say God is good. And so many people have a wrong or misconception. You read these scriptures, it's all through the Psalms, it's all through the whole Bible that God is good. And yet people like Oral Roberts got in trouble for saying God is a good God. Oh, you, you, the whole church, you know, all these thousands of people in all these churches came out again. Well, he's a heretic for saying God is good. Well, what did David say? <laughs> God is good. <laughs> and his loving kindness is everlasting, his faithfulness to all generations. That includes us that we're living in the 19th, I mean the 20th century when Oral Roberts said God is a good God, right? Some of you, there's no darkness at all. So, so how, could you, how could you argue with the fact God is good? And if you acknowledge He's good, that's reason to give Him thanks, right? And then in Psalm 23, I came across this in verse um, 6. You don't have to turn to this if you don't want to. I'll read it to you. Um, Psalm 23 in verse 6, the first part of that verse says, Surely... You know what surely means? Certainly. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. So we think about God is good and His loving kindness is everlasting and His 
faithfulness to all generations. So here it's saying surely or only or certainly goodness and loving kindness are going to follow me. Now some people don't believe that and they confess other things following them. Well, if there's sickness going around, I'm going to get it. Well, you know, the flu's going around. You better get your shots and do all this because you, it, you'll go around to your family too. I'm not criticizing. If you get a flu shot, you get one. Um, it's, it's not a bad thing. But, it, but this doesn't say that. This doesn't say if, if anything's going around, I'm going to get it. You know, if, anybody's, if you've ever heard people say, well, if it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Well, the truth is you don't have any luck at all because there's no such thing as luck. It's all based on what comes out of your mouth and what the devil tries to send your way, whatever you have faith for. So all that's foolish talk because the Word says that surely or only goodness and loving kindness will follow me. That's what David said. I think David knew God, don't you? So it's going to follow you. That means it's going to come after you. I leave it and it's always there. It's coming after me. It's, it's behind me, coming after me in an endless supply. It's never running out, right? So... That's what I need to be believing for. And if I'm believing for that, you know what? I'm going to see it and I'm going to have a thankful heart. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Not many people of his day or before or not many after. But the, the bad things he did, the, the relationship he had with God, that, that understanding of who God was and then spending time with him, which is obvious he did, overcame those bad things, right. And him not even having the, the new covenant that we have with the salvation package that we have that, that's been given to us. It is truly amazing, the understanding he had of God. And we, because of that, we need, to, we need to give heed to these to these words that he wrote because he really knew God. And yet, he did not have the anointing of God on the inside of him like we do. Now, that will really blow off your sketchers that you have more than David had. And yet, David have this understanding of who God is. So anyway, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. All right, look, turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, and we're going to look at different verses in the first part of this of this psalm. So look at verse 1 again. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for what? For He is good. So again here it's reminding us that because of God's goodness, that's the reason we ought to give Him thanks. You remind yourself of His goodness. Remind yourself of His nature. Remind yourself of what you've experienced from Him, through Him. And that's a reason to give Him thanks. And again it says, his, He's good for His loving kindness is everlasting. Another reminder there. But it says in verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now I've heard this verse taught several different ways. And I've heard people say that, well, they, and they take this one verse out. And, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this because there's truth to it. And say, this, this verse by itself, or this part of this verse, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So you're supposed to say, I'm redeemed. <laughs> okay? That is good. You are. But if you look at this verse in context, what is it that the redeemed are supposed to say is so? Exactly. What the verse 1 just said about him is what's so. And that is, he is good. And his loving kindness is everlasting. We need to be saying that. If we're the redeemed, we need to say, God is good. And His loving kindness is everlasting. So it's, it's okay to say that back to Him in worship. But you know what? There's also opportunities that are going to come across your path at work, at school, in the public setting, wherever, with friends, with family, where you're going to have an opportunity to testify 
that God is good. The God I know, my Heavenly Father, He is a good God. Let me tell you about Him. Let me tell you what He's done for me. You don't have to say, you ought to be this, you ought to do this. You can just talk from personal experience. That way nobody can argue with you, because nobody can argue with your experience. See, you throw a little word in there too. But, but you, we need to say, we need to be saying, as the redeemed, we need to be saying, God is good. There's too many people out here in the church world and in our culture that are, that are talking about a lot of the evil going on, and, and they're, they're focusing on that. And they don't know who they don't know God. They don't know that He really does love them. That He really wants His best for them. He really doesn't want them to have to deal with all the things they're dealing with that they that they that's dragging them down. He really doesn't want them to be deceived when they don't even know they're deceived. But somebody needs to tell them God, the God of the Bible. I challenge you to read it and open it up and see who He really is. He's not who people have told you He is. You've been lied to. You've been deceived. You've been taught the wrong things. He is really good. He really loves you. He sent His own Son to die for you. So you could be one of His children. He wants to adopt you. He's already got the papers filled out and signed. He's coming to, to, as we read in Colossians, to rescue you and bring you into His kingdom. You know, we need to be saying God is good. We need to be talking about His love and kindness. We need to be talking about His faithfulness. I'm not saying you've got to go on some... Um, mission that everybody you run into in the mall, you stop them and interrupt them. I'm just saying be willing. Just, just, just have a, an attitude or a heart's desire that if God wants to use you, the Holy Spirit leads you, and you'll, you'll just listen. It's here or there or wherever. But this is what we need to be saying about God. Verse 2 goes on, the, Whom He has redeemed from the hand of the adversary, talking about the ones that are the redeemed, and gathered from the lands from the east and the west and the north and the south, Wherever it is you came from, whatever God got you out of to redeem you, if you've had an experience of Him redeeming you, of Him rescuing you, of, of experiencing His goodness, you need to talk about it. Now, it goes on to talk about in here in a couple of these sections down until we get to verse 15, verse 4 through 7, and then we're going to look at verse 9, and then we're going to look at, at 10 through um, 14. See if you identify with any of these. These are situations people were in where God rescued them out of these situations that demonstrates His loving kindness. Let's look at in verse 4 through 7. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. Now, you might not have ever been in the desert, but you might have been wandering around, lost as you could be spiritually. They wandered in the desert, in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. You ever been rescued in that type of way? Some of you may have. Look at verse 9. For He has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul. Now, this is talking about your mind. Your mind was craving some truth, right? Needed some truth. Yes, sir. Through 7? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's trying to get you somewhere. What's the closest distance between two points? A straight line, right? You, you, you could know where, where you ought to be, but if you're, if you're not having no direction, getting direction from the Lord, you could wander around a long time to get there. But that's a blessing to know how to go straight, to go there indirectly. So verse 9 is talking about the, the, the mind, the soul, that's thirsty and hungry. And it says, and He has filled it with what is good. And so if we're letting God, the Spirit of God... And I say letting, we're allowing, but we have to work with 
him to renew our mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2. He'll renew it. He's just wanting us to put our hand to it and put some action. But we can renew our mind with the help of the Holy Spirit, getting us revelation out of the Word of God. So we could all fit into that verse 9. Now let's look at who it describes and how it describes people in verses 10 through 14. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners. I don't know if you've been physically a prisoner before, but you might have been a prisoner to some deception or, or some situation. Prisoners in misery and chains because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. You might not have deliberately done it, but if you didn't seek His guidance, if you didn't seek what His Word said, you were by default doing that. Verse 12, Therefore He humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. It's sometimes a blessing to come to the end of yourself (laughs) and the bottom of the barrel, because then there's nowhere but up if you look up and look for the right help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. That is a good God. That is a God that's deserving of verse 15, which addresses all of these different situations and groups. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for His wonders to the sons of men. That word wonders there could be translated miracles. You ever seen a miracle? I'd be thinking, I don't know if I have or not. You ever been born again? That was a miracle. That was a creative miracle. God recreated you and made you a new person. So if you've never seen any other miracle, that one is one you ought to, you ought to acknowledge. All right, go back to Psalm 26. I'll try to go quickly here. Psalm 26 and verse 7. It says that I may proclaim. How do you proclaim something? By speaking, right, with your voice. With the voice of what? Thanksgiving. And declare all your wonders. That I may proclaim with a voice. You know, Thanksgiving needs to give, we need to give voice to Thanksgiving. It needs to be spoken. It needs to be audible. It needs to be something we confess, as those other verses told us. And declare all your wonders. Again, if you, you share just what God has done for you. The miracles, the wonders, or the things you've seen Him do, or experience that He's done with other people, or in situations you were a part of. That's telling of the goodness of God. That's letting the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're the redeemed... You're saying so. So what? So, so good God is. So loving and kind He is. So faithful He is. You're proclaiming it. All right? Turn over to Psalm 28. should be the next page. And verse 7 in, in Psalm 28 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I'm helped. Therefore my heart exalts. Exalts is like putting forth praise. And with my song I shall thank Him. With my song I shall thank Him. So many, there's many scriptures and some of the ones on this list that I've given you deal with songs. Not just speaking or proclaiming with our words, but with songs. You don't have to be trained or you don't have to even be able to sing on key, which we all hope you do. But if you don't, <laughs> you can still make an effort with your songs You know, from the heart. You can be one of the ones that makes a joyful noise. That's okay. Sing a song out of your heart of thankfulness and give Him thanks with the song, not just with the words. We're supposed to do it with the words because it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But we're also supposed to do it with song. And, and I know some people, um, even in church, maybe some, I don't think anybody that comes here, but some that may have visited here, may be of the mindset, well, I don't sing. And so they'll stand and they'll honor God in worship. But you know what? 
for whatever reason, whether it's you don't carry a tune in a bucket or you never learn music or whatever, don't let that hinder you because the Bible is full of places where it encourages us to sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord what part of the earth? All the earth. If you're on the earth, you're supposed to be able to sing, make a decision to sing to the Lord. And so don't worry too much about whether it's noise or it's beautiful music or whatever. Now, I'm not going to put a microphone in front of you (laughs) if you can't carry a tune in the bucket. Um, But what's between you and God ought to involve singing from time to time. Now, I'm not going to look around in here and see who's singing and who's not. I don't really care. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm just telling you there are scriptures that say sing and give him thanks with the song. Okay? So I'm just encouraging you take it and do what I didn't write this. So take it and do with whatever you want that's between you and him. But I'm encouraging you that this includes singing. And singing involves you opening in your mouth and proclaiming in words and music. You know, somebody may say, well, I'm singing from the heart. Okay. But that's not the definition of thanksgiving. Okay. Again, that's between you and God. But I'm just telling you. Okay. I'm just sharing with you what it says. All right. And then the last... Verses I'm going to share with you are in Psalm 95. So if you want to turn there real quick. And then we're going to give you an opportunity to put this to practice. And that we're going to worship worship God with another song or so here. And give you an opportunity to, to express your thanksgiving in song. So Psalm 95 and verses 2 and 3. It says, Let us come before His presence. Again, we talked about coming in and entering His gates, His presence. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. You know, I don't care if you shout in here. Some people say, well, are we that kind of church? <laughs> we're whatever kind <laughs> that the Bible says we're, we're supposed to do. And if you feel led of the Lord to shout, go ahead and shout. I don't care if you want to run around the chairs here. That's up to you. If you, if you feel like you can worship God and you can praise Him that way, you know, if you want to run across the back of the seats, well, you know, just be careful with that because they're not together all the time. So anyway, but you shout if you want to shout, but come before his presence with thanksgiving. And then verse three, four, four, again, here it tells us again, why? (laughs) For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Again, he is God and he's a great God. He's a good God. And that's reason enough to remember his loving kindness as those other verses said, and His faithfulness to all generations, that's enough to want to sing and shout to Him. I'm telling you, if you really start spending time meditating on what God has done for you, and some of you guys that are of the teenage persuasion, you, would, you might say, well, I've only lived so many teen years. I don't know, umpteen years. I, you know, what all has God done for me? If you could only see, if you could only see a pictorial history in the spirit realm, you could see how many miraculous things God has done or spared you from or where His angels worked overtime just to get you to keep living, even though you've only been here umpteen years. Now think about us older ones. We really ought to be willing to shout and thank God because if we could see all the times angels rescued us from deadly situations, I'm telling you, we, we, would, we would be willing to shout. It wouldn't bother us one bit. We'd get so excited, we'd want to shout. So I'm encouraging youngest to oldest, God has has been good to you. He has been extremely good to you. And if you could just see what He has done, what He's doing in the background, we call it, or in the spirit realm, 
to express His goodness to you, you would get excited. Even if, even if you've only been living for 10, 12 years. Even if you've only known God for a couple of years, you'd get excited. So I'm encouraging you guys, don't, don't think that I've got to be cool and that I can't really enter into worship until I'm 30, 40, 50 years old. That is a lie of the devil. You can enter in into abandon in worship. In fact, I think some of the most sincere worshipers are, are in their teens or younger because they don't have a lot of the garbage in their mind they're trying to, they've had to put out or deal with. And there's, a, there's a, an excitement to life that's just inbred in you at that age that's maybe not as, as, as burning as strongly as you get older. God created you that way so you would go and get started on doing some things for Him as part of how He created human nature. And so you need to channel that in the right way. Are y'all listening to me? You need to channel that energy, channel that, that excitement that you have in your teen years that God innately put in you as, as a human. You need to channel it to Him. And the way you do that, I'm not talking about channeling. I'm talking about focusing that part of you in an attitude of thanksgiving, in an excitement about worshiping Him, in training your mind to focus on the things that he's done and the things that he was telling you he's wanting you to do in life, your calling, your purpose, and get excited about it. That's a form of showing thanksgiving, especially when you express it in words. Then look at verse 6. We're going to end here. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And so that follows these verses about worshiping him, coming into his presence with thanksgiving, with a shout, with psalms. And that word in verse 2, that word psalms, I meant to share this with you, has an interpretive note there. And again, in my Bible, that word psalms could be interchanged with the word song. So again, singing, singing is an integral part of giving thanks to God. Shout joyfully to Him with song. So I'm going to stop there. We're going to give you an opportunity to practice this in the song version. Bless you.